Christchurch, New Malden, 9th of May 2021. Becky Mills speaking on Christian Aid Week, The Evidence. I hope you're as excited as I am about our latest sermon series on walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So far, we've heard Nathan's excellent sermon on the challenge. What does it mean to be a disciple? In ancient times, a disciple not only heard and understood the teachings of the teacher or rabbi, but also sought to live his teachings and imitate him in every way possible. When Jesus says in Matthew 5.48, Be perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect, that seems impossibly challenging. How can we possibly live up to this? In Jesus' discourse in John 15.1-8, Jesus is showing us the way. I wonder how many of you enjoy gardening like I do. I love the idea of creating something beautiful that reflects God's glory. This spring, Andrew and I have worked really hard cutting everything back in the garden and imposing some order on the chaos that ensues when mature shrubs are allowed to occupy the space they would like to. If you leave them alone, their growth becomes leggy and unwieldy. They all intertwine and struggle to reach the light and moisture they need to maintain healthy growth. Roses left to their own devices will be straggly and tangled and grow in on themselves. There will be lots of flowers, but not impressive ones. They need our help to grow in the right direction, so we prune them, keeping the broader structure in place, but stopping the tangled inner growth that wastes their energy and stops them being productive. We don't have a vine in our garden, but most plants respond to the same treatment. Vines need to focus their energy on producing good quality grapes rather than lots of second-rate ones. They need to grow towards the light to stop them getting in a tangled mass. Left to themselves, vines produce a lot of superfluous growth, which must be cut away if the vine is to be truly productive. In John, Jesus makes frequent use of this horticultural metaphor. In verse 2 of John chapter 15, the word Jesus uses for prune is very like clear out or clean. In verse 3, Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus has purified their goals and ambitions, cut out the worldliness that leads to tangled inner growth. They've already borne fruit. Now they must expect more pruning so that they can bear more fruit by the Spirit, so that the gardener, God, is honoured and glorified. Within Jewish tradition, the vine was the picture of Israel. In Psalm 88-9 it says, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and, took, and it took root and filled the land. And in verses 16-19, to Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. Restore us, Lord Almighty. Make your face shine on us so we may be saved. When Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener in verse 1, he's suggesting that he is the true Israel revived and restored. This 15th century icon is called Christ the Vine. The large figure of Christ, with his arms extended, is seated on the intertwined branches. He holds an open book 
inscribed with extracts from John 15. Two pairs of gospel writers seem to be conversing either side of Jesus. The remaining disciples, like Jesus, hold open books and scrolls and their eyes are fixed on him. That is the secret of discipleship. It's that close relationship with him that we are to enjoy and cultivate. In John 15, Jesus gives his disciples the status of friend, not servant. Someone who knows his business, walks in intimate knowledge of him through his words and through putting those words into practice. The branches that try to live without being attached to the vine shrivel and die and are good for nothing but the fire. But branches that remain in the vine and submit to being pruned live and bear fruit. We must make sure we're always in touch with the words and teachings of Jesus, knowing him and being known by him and putting his words into practice. And although it's painful, we have to be ready for God's pruning. God is glorified if we bear good quality fruit and lots of it. For that to happen, there will be extra growth that needs cutting away. God is always near us, giving thought to our long-term health when the pruning process is taking place. This process of growth through discipleship is captured in this 16th century painting, which initially looks absurd. It's certainly a memorable image, isn't it? But if we look carefully, we can see its deeper meaning and beauty. In this portrait of an imperial dignitary who is supposed to be heralding a new age, the artist is making use of the absurd and subverts the conventions of 16th century portraits. In the same way, might the fruit of the Christian life and the beauty it portrays be counterintuitive, absurd, and even subvert contemporary social and cultural expectations. In the loving and self-sacrificial acts of the disciples, this love glorifies the Father because it conforms to Jesus' own. The manifestation of this fruit in the lives and faces of Jesus' disciples is not just for their benefit, it's to be shared with the world. It is evidence of God's kingdom in the present and its future coming, where there will be fruitfulness, flourishing and abundance. Union and communion with the living Jesus through prayer and obedience yield fruit in the spirit for the glory of God. In verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus' parting words and actions do seem counterintuitive if we look at the broader context of John 15. He washes the disciples' feet in John 13. He assures them of his presence by the Spirit even after his departure and imparts a peace, a shalom, that is not of this world in John 14. This shalom is a deep sense of well-being, physical, psychological, social and spiritual. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right, with God, with oneself and with others through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Love, joy and peace are the fruits of intimacy with him, listening to him and obeying his commands. 
Jesus explains how the world will also reject and persecute them for the apparent irrationality of their faithful obedience to him. The fruit they will bear by the Spirit as they remain in him and love others sacrificially will appear absurd. Such remaining may get them killed. The fruit they bear, nevertheless, will subvert the powers and principalities of this world because Jesus has condemned and defeated the ruler of this world in the dawning of the kingdom of God. And Jesus adds, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. To speak of joy when he himself is on the threshold of deep trial and suffering is an indication of what joy is. It was for the joy set before him he endured the cross. Joy does not deny sorrow or suffering. It coexists with them. Jesus' parting words to his disciples are an encouragement to remain in the love of God and dig deep into a joy that's not tied to our own individual circumstances. And he knows that they are going to need each other to get through. Their love for one another and their sacrificial giving for their friends will strengthen them to endure. It's love, friendship, joy and peace that will enable them to remain faithful and bear lasting fruit. Love, friendship, joy and peace lie at the heart of Christian Aid Week. We hope that it is our love for one another that inspires our generous giving, that it is our friendship with vulnerable communities we get to know through Christian Aid that motivates us to sacrificial acts of solidarity. And it is through our generous giving and sacrificial actions that we bear lasting fruit and know complete joy and peace. This year, Christian Aid Week is focusing on the impact of climate change on communities in Kenya. The main problem is the lack of access to reliable sources of water to help them withstand the unpredictable weather made worse through the climate crisis. The weather has become more extreme. Drought has become more frequent and intense, resulting in millions of people being short of food as they're unable to grow crops. In part of Kenya in 2020, Drought was followed by relentless rainfall and flooding which damaged crops. With no access to reliable water sources or a way to capture rainfall, many communities are struggling to survive. The coronavirus pandemic has only increased the urgent need for families to access a reliable source of water for hand washing. In Kitui country, eastern Kenya, eight out of ten people depend on water to grow crops for food and to earn a living. Without a reliable water source, staple crops like maize and beans are damaged and destroyed. The lack of water forces people to walk further and further to find a dependable source. Without access to water, cows, sheep and goats can't produce milk or be sold. People are struggling to survive. Florence is full of life, love and laughter. The women in her farming group group look up to her. She's courageous, kind, a survivor. A few years ago, her husband died, leaving her a widow. At that time, she had no water to grow crops. Her children were hungry. She had to walk for hours to collect water. Life was miserable, she told us. But things have changed for Florence. 
Next to her farm, Florence is proud to show us something remarkable. A dam full of fresh water. It's thanks to donations to Christian Aid that Florence and her community have built this water dam with the help of Christian Aid's partner, Anglican Development Services, Eastern, Adzi, just a short walk away from her village. With this dam, Florence can grow tomatoes, onions and chilies on her farm. Her children can eat healthy, nutritious vegetables. It's her source of life and joy. Florence also uses the water from the dam to keep bees. She sells the honey for cash at the market. Now Florence is reaping a good life for herself and her family. The dam gives Florence strength to withstand even the most unpredictable weather. It's a reliable water source, whether she faces long drought or relentless rainstorms. Sadly, millions of people in Kenya are desperately struggling to survive climate chaos. You can help another community build a dam, and then many more people will have the water they need to sustain their families. If you give generously, Adzi can help more people like Florence to thrive. Instead of our usual house-to-house collection this year, we've set up a Christchurch fundraising page on Just Giving. Go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash ccnmcaw if you would like to make a donation online or ring 02075232269 quoting our church reference number OR826830 or if you would prefer not to use a credit card you could send a cheque made payable to Christian Aid Week with our church reference number on the back to Christian Aid London Office 35 to 41 Lower Marsh, London, SE17RL. If you live in the parish, perhaps you could share the information on your street WhatsApp, explaining that there will be no house-to-house collection because of COVID restrictions this year. The joy that we experience in and through Christian Aid Week does not lead us away from suffering and struggle, but towards it. We choose to look towards the pain and see the possibilities for transformation through our friendship, solidarity and generous giving. Jesus explains to the disciples that even pain will turn to a joy that no one can remove. This Christian Aid Week, as we choose to celebrate transformed communities with Florence, may our joy be complete. The command to love is given by one who has done everything for us that love can do. Let's remain in him, remain in his love, walk in his footsteps and experience his joy and peace. Amen.